once I'm done that, I get the builders to come in again and take the whole shed down. And I'd be so pleased. I'd be like, yeah, you know, it'd be really nice. You love your shed with your strange door, you know, that <laughs> gradually is tipping. It's like the leaning shed of Des. <laughs> it is really, it's, it's honestly, it's about to collapse. It's, it's really always is. been about to collapse for the last two decades. <laughs> it will not true. collapse. You realise that they're going to hit it with a hammer and the hammer will break. Oh, Dave, if you see it, it's kind of moving about two inches a year. So it's really now at a 60 degree angle, you know. Um, yeah, but how big's the gap in the window now? Is the window uh, an isosceles rectangle or whatever the right <laughs> word is? is? In fact, actually, it's at the, at the stage of being so crushed that it's probably splinter anytime soon. And there's huge gaps in there. And you can see it. Oh, it's a mess. Total and utter mess. Well, I started doing glossing yesterday. Oh, yeah, because you start. Yeah, you were doing. You, yes. But you were, it, I made a fatal error. I opened the tin of gloss. That's not yeah. a brand new one, but one I had. Yes. And it's like with a gunge on the top, like oil. So I gave it a good stir. It looked better. It's nice, bright white again. Good, good, good. I sanded everything. Nice, nice, nice. Sand, clean, sand, clean, blah, blah. Put the first coat. Very white. I said, okay. Done my thing. All right, maybe it's going to need a second coat. I look on the other side of the door that I did last year. The other side of the door is yellow. And, I fit, and, I, and then I looked at the tin, and the tin said, do not stir. So I think I've... I'm not too sure. Well, I think the tin is wrong because when I painted it last year, I think I didn't stir it because I remember being like, that's not really white. Maybe it will turn white once it goes on. And I painted it. on drip paint. Yes. I love it. I love how you knew that. You're like the, the paint <laughs> professor. Look at that. You diagnosed it. So, yeah. So now the door side that I painted yesterday that I mixed yeah. the paint with is very white. Yeah. And on yeah. the other side that's a year old, is yellow and it was never white. So I don't understand why the tin says don't stir the paint when that's obvious what needs to happen. You're no, looking you bemused at me. What, what did, I did so many things wrong, didn't I? <laughs> Tell me what I did wrong. I saw that face. <laughs> was, it, was it just even starting to gloss? Is that where I went wrong? <laughs> well, yeah, you had a non, non, you had a, it was non-drip. The thing is, you've got a sediment, an oil sediment, you always at the top of, and if you start to stir all of, oh, anyway, it shouldn't really, it should, it should dry, okay. But it, you know, it may require a second coat. It looks really good. Yeah, I'm sure it does. It's very white. I got a little bit on the wall, but I thought, fuck it, I don't care, the wall is white as well. <laughs> I, I bought an electric saw, and it's one of these that's got its small blade about what, half an inch wide and about nine inches long. And um, I've had it for a, a little while now, and but it, it forms that kind of sawing motion. It's an electric one, and um, it's very good for cutting down really thick branches of trees and all that stuff. Anyway. I bought one to cut down some of the woody, because um, you know my neighbor poisoned some of the plants, and you know the, it's turned into hard wood, and they just didn't. Didn't they cast a spell? No, or a curse. They, it was a curse. No, no. Apparently, some witch's brew that she put together. She told me <laughs> she mixed I, some. Kind I thought. I thought it was a curse. Witch's concoction. Probably she threw a curse in as well. And <laughs> she mixed together. And do you know, she. That's why the shed's still standing. <laughs> she successfully managed to completely destroy the Virginia creeper and the ivy. Somehow, the holly resisted her concoction, and it's still there. Although one of them is, you can see signs of an attack on it, you know, a health attack on oh, it. Sorry, Des, just an aside, I just realised something. You just said the Virginia creeper and the ivy, right? Yeah. What is there any plants named after men? Is there like a Des bush or a David tree or a George oh, Rose? 
You say probably, but you didn't give an example. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't there's know. There's petunias, there's hyacinths. Oh, yeah. Jasmine, but there's not a John. No, I can't think of a John or Jonathan or a John B or... But there are lots of different... There are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of names for all sorts of, you know, trees and foliage and stuff. And in some of it, they're all usually Latin derivative, but I can't think of one at the moment. But I have definitely looked it up, actually. I'll definitely look it up. Okay, shot number 62. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome to this week's Des and Dave. In America this week, Russia forced to merge and redeploy depleted units in eastern Ukraine, says UK MOD. Putin did a dry run of nuclear-capable missile strikes near EU, according to the Daily Beast. If Russia, Russians go nuclear, they would be signing their own death certificate, says military analysts. Femboy, Madison Cawthorn, makes Grand Old Republican Party great again. Marjorie Taylor Greene, also known as the malevolent mistress of malarkey, is melting down as the walls close in. And in other news this week, the UK local elections are over and the count is in. Labour have taken Wandsworth, Barnet and Westminster London councils. The Conservatives have lost a lot of council seats but the surprise winners seem to be the Liberal Democrats, gaining 191 councillors nationally. And the Greens also managed to gain an extra 61 seats. After weeks of anguish, all elderly women and children have been evacuated from the besieged Ukrainian Astovol steelworks in Mariupol. And the UK government is scrambling to rehouse hundreds of Ukrainians who are at risk from being exploited by hosts after offering them a place to stay. All this and more. All that and more. <laughs> Go on. All that and more. From Des and Dave. <laughs> We're getting close to our pensioner age, it seems. <laughs> yes. Yes. At some stage, we're going to have to think about cashing in our retirement checks. <laughs> yes, very much so. Oh. So what is... What, what is yes, you go ahead. No, I say what we started with this week, but I feel like you had the same question. 
<laughs> Russia is forced to merge and redeploy depleted units in eastern Ukraine. And this is a report from the UK MOD, uh, the Milita um, Ministry of Defense. Russian troops have been forced to merge and redeploy depleted units in eastern Ukraine. This is what the Ministry of Defense has said, as Zelensky has accused Moscow of trying to empty the Donbass region of all people. After failed advances in the Northeast, many mm, disparate um, Russian units um, likely weakened morale uh, by their morale have been forced to rethink tactics. And the British MOD said in an update um, last week that um, it said Russia still faces considerable challenges in fighting and believes President Putin's troops will now attempt to reorganize efforts and shorten supply lines. And we have a short audio just describing some of their views. This is what living on the front line of Russia's invasion looks like. Homes in Kharkiv no longer resemble that. A child's toy, disfigured, a metaphor for so many childhoods. And yet, for people fleeing a nearby village, the city offers relative safety. There's little sanctuary left in this part of Ukraine. Our home was burned last night, says Tatiana. The house burned down. We have no place to stay. It's scary. Meanwhile, Russia released this footage of a ballistic missile launch as it concentrates its offensive on the east of Ukraine. They have enough artillery and aircraft to destroy the entire Donbass, says Ukraine's president, just as they destroyed Mariupol, the city now a Russian concentration camp, he says, in the middle of ruins. This is what he's talking about, a seaside city, now apocalyptic. Every day people are dying and every day they have less food, uh, water, medicine. The wives of Ukrainian troops trapped there are calling for international help to evacuate both civilians and soldiers. Mariupol have to have a chance and not uh, only civils. We come here to rescue uh, alive soldiers too, uh, because um, sorry. Yulia, like so many Ukrainians, wants the world to listen and take action. It's happening everywhere in Russia in Ukraine, rather. The... It's very strange, you know, like you, as a kid, you, you learn about the Second World War and conflict and seeing it on the news. And then there is the reality of it's not that far away. It's yeah. over. Zelensky really didn't provoke this in any sense at all. And Putin's mad and has done what he's done. And it's, you know, whether we describe it as World War III or not, all the potential still remains there. And to what end? What's claimed as a win for Putin? To take over the Donbass region, to extend into the, because there's that strange state between, oh, it's between Ukraine and, oh, I've forgotten the name of it, Moldova. And so it's not trans. Translavia. <laughs> Transnistria. Transylvania. Yes. Yeah. Transnistria. It's this region as well that's been in Russian control for some time. And that's right. Transnistria. Yeah. It's very difficult to read the runes. But the thing is, we're pumping weapons. But what came out, did you see? I don't know how much, you know, there's a lot in the news this week, but you know, previous governments from the UK, Cameron. Uh, Theresa May, all of them, they, they refused to sell weapons to the Ukrainians because they were worried about upsetting Russia, Des. Yes, yes. It, it's what's, what's emerged from all of this is that the Russian 
Putin has done an excellent job on the West with its propaganda machine. And the truth, the truth is that the propaganda lies that Putin has been accepted and believed by the Western countries and particularly NATO. And they believe that Putin is, um, has a might that um, is, you know, could challenge their, their, their world power, you know, their position as the number one power in the world. Um, and what Ukraine has demonstrated is that Russian capability has been very much overestimated. Um, but, and, and it's now becoming apparent because what came out last week was that um, we heard was that the Russian forces held drills last week, simulating nuclear capable strikes close to the European Union borders. Um, and this is what the Russian Defense Ministry has revealed. And members of the Baltic fleet apparently held war games last week to deliver mock missile strikes with the crews of um, Iskander operational tactical missile systems, that's what they're referred to as, in Kaliningrad. Um, and the uh, press service of the Western military district said in a statement last week, and the, the drills held near the border of EU member states, Poland and Lithuania, come amid increasingly unhinged attempts by Kremlin mouthpieces in Russia's state-run media to sell the idea that a nuclear strike is inevitable. Um, and uh, this woman called Margarita Simeonian, who's the editor-in-chief of the Russian state-controlled media organization, that's RT, um, formerly known as Russia Today, said uh, um, recently that it is uh, more probable Russia's war in Ukraine will end in a nuclear strike than Vladimir Putin simply backing down. Um, and on Russia's state-owned Channel One um, uh, television, the Russian lawmaker Ali, Ali, Ali Kesi um, Zuvanov and TV host uh, and a TV host went even further, openly discussing the prospects of Moscow lobbying nuclear weapons of the United Kingdom, Germany, and France. So Putin has hinted at nuclear strikes, telling lawmakers last week that Russia will unleash lightning fast retaliatory strikes if anyone dares to intervene in the ongoing events in Ukraine. And he said, he went on to say that we all have the, we, we have all the tools for this. Things no one else can boast of having now. And we will not boast, we will use them if necessary. And I want everybody to know that, he said. This is Putin, gone mad. He's threatening the world. He's threatening the West with nuclear strikes. And if not, he's certainly planning to use them on Ukraine. But you've also got the situation where they've announced, the EU have announced that by the end of the year, they will not be having any version of Russian oil. Gas is a bit more tricky, but... I just because at the minute Russia receives a billion dollars a day. I just I don't know how yeah. this plays out. There's I have no runes to throw. This is a very good point, actually, because they're financing this war. His war is being financed by Western Europe. How crazy the economic structure is across the globe. And Russia was able to make payments on its debt, so it hasn't defaulted yet, which is the thing that they kept saying about the sanctions taking time in the first place. Well, if they're earning a billion a day, they're not going to have any problems defaulting. Europe can threaten, but it currently can't deliver its most potent weapon, which is squeezing Russia for so bad that it cannot feed its population. But the West response to Putin's threats of dropping a nuclear bomb 
has been quite strong actually and they've gone as far as saying some military analysts have gone as far as saying that if Russia's go nuclear they would be signing their own death certificates and then we've got an ex Pentagon official called Evelyn Farkas and she breaks down how Western leaders should stand up to Russian aggression. And we've got additional comments from President Biden. And we've got a short audio if Russia goes nuclear. Now let me play one of the things that President Biden said today. And some of his other world leaders have, have similarly uh, you know, taken issue with the veiled or not so veiled threats that President Putin and indeed Sergei Lavrov have been, you know, issuing over the last week, talking about, you know, potentially broadening their attack, warning NATO allies not to supply Ukraine, and even talking again about this third world, third world war, nuclear, etc. This is President Biden's reaction to that. They do concern me because it shows the desperation that Russia is feeling about their abject failure in being able to do what they set out to do in the first instance. And so um, it, uh, I think it's more of a reflection, not of the truth, but of their failure. Uh, Evelyn, your reaction to that? I agree 100% with the president. This is actually a, a show, a dis it's, it's designed to test in part, you know, our resolve and the transatlantic cohesion or transatlantic transpacific because we have allies from the pacific involved as well and and so i think that um it does demonstrate weakness it demonstrates that vladimir putin is trying to also assess going forward you know how much assistance the ukrainians are going to receive and president biden has responded to this nuclear saber rattling thankfully amazingly with this huge package of assistance it tells the russians that all the equipment we're giving the ukrainians all the advice we're giving them all the intelligence we're giving them this will continue and the russians have to take that into consideration yes right now the ukrainians are still somewhat vulnerable because that equipment and assistance isn't there it isn't all there yet um, so they're they're in a moment of of perhaps most most vulnerable moment going forward. They will be increasingly stronger. And this nuclear business, it's frankly not only irresponsible but also doesn't make sense because we have deterrence. We have nuclear forces also at every level. If the Russians want to go there, then they will be signing their own death certificate. So again, it's reckless talk. But also strategically, they have to understand that it's a that it do, it brings everyone nowhere. Nuclear, <laughs> nuclear. That's what we are likely to go. What a experience for our young people. But what would be the Western response? What could you do? What would you want to do? Would you fight nuclear with nuclear? Exactly. Because if that's where we're heading, you know, should we bother to go to work tomorrow? <laughs> because if Russia drops a nuclear bomb on the West, it's the end of Russia. Totally. Would the Chinese just sit back and say, yes, you can do that? I mean, talking about issues that are happening, at the mo presently happening um, around the world, with, which probably doesn't re hasn't received so much um, publicity at the moment, is that the Japanese and the South Koreans are rather concerned about the North Korean dropping um, warheads very close to their shores, to mm. certainly um, Japanese shores. And the Japanese are now talking about rearming themselves. And they are going to be part of the, you know, the war program. And that can't be a good thing. <laughs> you know, that can't be a good thing. We're just waiting for another Chernobyl to happen. Let, I, I'm, let's see what, I just don't know. Yeah, what I say is described as a win when they decide to stop because Russia's really faced heavy losses 
And yeah. yes, the media is not portraying that, you know, because of the the control over the state, but you, people are asking questions. And yeah, I just, I, I can't see it. How do they overthrow him? How do they stop him? There has been quite a big brain drain in Russia. Um, there's been reports that a lot of people are leaving. Russians are leaving Russia and settling elsewhere. Um, there also been quite a lot of talk recently about um, a lot of protests happening um, because that's not gone away just yet. Um, whether it's sufficient to topple Putin, um, I don't know. But then also there's been a lot of dissatisfaction expressed by some of the top oligarchs about the way in which Putin has managed all of this. Um, and the, 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 the legacy. And of course, Europe's now talking about um, the EU, rather, the European Union, your lovely, delightful friend, von der Leyen. She Ursula von der Leyen. <laughs> von der Leyen. She has been talking about um, 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 reducing the dependency on, on Russian um, oil by the end of the year, um, with a couple of notable exceptions. I think that is Hungary, who refuses to go along with this at the moment, saying their dependency you know, will, will continue and they're not going to be part of whatever plans Russians have made. And there's one other country, and I can't remember which one that is, but um, there are certainly two countries that and I think the European Union have accepted that it may take a little longer for those two to come on board. But that's the plan at the moment, um, and that's to help sanctions bite. But that's another six or seven months away. Will that be now? Mm. Well, we have a rather delightful story this week, and it keeps getting funnier and funnier um and we these strange republicans there's <laughs> and we've described it this week as femboy madison Cawthon makes grand old republican party great again he's accused his party of organizing drug and cocaine fuel orgies he's carried guns twice on airplanes he's permitted staffer to his staffer to cut his crutch. He's also been accused of insider trading by inflating the uh, value of cryptocurrencies. And more lately, a naked video of a romp in bed. Now, are these right wing or left wing smiths uh, an attempt to bury Cawthon or a haystack of needles? <laughs> or is there a grain of truth in all of this? Um, Madison Cawthorn's claims of orgy and cocaine invites from fellow Republicans was made on a right-wing podcast, and maybe it's a good starting point to hear what he had to say. Look at all these people, a lot of them that I, I you know, I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention to politics, guys, that, you know, it, then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes, you should come, and I'm like, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah. And then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Yeah. Uh, or, or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove, you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. There's so much you could say about that. I really like the doll with the blue hair right behind your shoulder there. Corbyn's <laughs> being pursued by his state voters who claim that he has violated the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which basically says that no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress who have previously taken an oath to support the Constitution of the United States and or shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same. But reality has really been biting back for Cawthon, and we have another short audio describing some of 
the responses. The Democrats, with all the fraud they have done in this election, the Republicans hiding and not fighting, they are trying to silence your voice. If our election systems continue to be rigged and continue to be stolen, then it's, it's going to lead to one place, and it's bloodshed. And I will tell you, as much as I'm willing to defend our liberty at all costs, there's nothing that I would dread doing more than having to pick up arms against a fellow American. This is just another impeachment of President Donald Trump. It's just that he's not in office right now, so they're not capable of actually being able to do it. So instead, they're going after his fighters. They're going after the America First Patriots. <sighs> It is an interesting one, but he he protests that he's trying to be got at the minute. You know, he's saying that you know there are people out to get him and so on and bring it on and yeah. <laughs> but he's inviting a lot of this. I mean, he's. But what's what's clearly emerged is that he has had a pattern of bad behaviour in the past, and there are many. Republicans, as well as Democrats, as well as independent observers who are saying about him, look, if he's gay, that's none of our business. That's an issue for him. But he can't have it both ways because his response to all these allegations made about his behavior, he has put down to having a lark having fun, being involved in a joke. Mm. Well, it appears the joke has fired, backfired on him. And the his own party members are making a concerted effort, concerted effort to ensure that he is not re-elected next time round. Because he is at the moment 26, the youngest, um, the youngest uh, congressman in the in American politics at the moment, um, and uh, and clearly he appears to be a little bit volatile. I seem unsure about what he is, who he is. I also understood that he's married, and he's currently getting a divorce, and apparently the divorce is allegedly an amicable one, ir irreconcilable differences between him and his wife but very little is ever said about his wife so a mysterious character they're just out to get him after he outed them about the cocaine and orgy parties you know, but don't you God, wonder whether not everyone's meant to know of course it's true <laughs> hello see re matt gates allegations yes i say yeah. allegations like yeah he one of the things we haven't mentioned so far this week is Roe v. Wade. So there was a leak, which we'll come back to, from the Supreme Court. Yeah. And they were, it was a draft opinion saying that they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade with a five to four majority. And then the Supreme Court was forced into a situation where they admitted, yes, this was a draft opinion. And they ordered an investigation into the leak. And then, then cue the Republicans who are being asked, well done, guys, your plan has worked off. For the last 50 years, you have been trying to overturn Roe v. Wade. You finally managed to pack the Supreme Court with all of your conservative justices that have overturned it. Aren't you feeling proud that your plan worked? Cue Mitch McConnell. Oh, no, it's an issue for the leaks and then all the Republican, you know, commentators, oh, this is only a talking point for the Democrats. They've, look how much they've been talking about it since it came out. I mean, there's it, it, the whole scenario of this. And then you've, what you've got is the three justices that Trump put on the court, cue to them all saying they believe Roe v. Wade is a cornerstone of uh, the judicial system and justice. So, and now they are about to overturn it, it looks like. And then cue the Senate, which is even funnier because I feel like the Democrats and the Republicans have had that very honest conversation behind closed doors. Neither of us want this in this election year. Let's can it. And now there is a proposal coming to the Senate table next week to enshrine 
uh, a woman's right to choose in law? Ah, of course. That's being... Um, is being put before the Senate next week, is due for a vote next week. And there's yes. not much other detail than that I can find at this moment. So th that's very interesting. It's like, no, we, no one wants to touch this. What? Because basically, if they undo Roe v. Wade in something like 16 states, it automatically makes abortion illegal in that moment. You yes. know, and some of these other laws are really far reaching. Anyone that helps get someone, uh, help someone to have an abortion and research. And listen, us two men, sticking our nose into what other people choose to do with their bodies. I know I wouldn't like anyone telling me what I could do with mine. That's it. End of story. And if you push it to somewhere illegal, you're just going to make more women unsafe because they will be trying to make it happen via other means. Because at currently, if, correct me if, if, if I've misunderstood this, um, the States have made decision. The individual states have made decision about overturning Roe. But this Biden suggestion that there is some kind of federal intervention will can overturn state state laws and um, can ensure that that it remains the law remains unchanged. Is that? Basically, in, in an essence, yeah, because if the Senate passes it, that's done at the federal level the same way yeah. that a Supreme Court ruling would hold. But they are yeah. about to undo their ruling because to not get into too much of the fine detail of it, like Roe yeah. v. Wade basically enshrines a woman's right to choose in America. It's a very famous case. But if you start looking into a lot of the legal details around it, Oh, we'll fall down. You, you could spend hours, you know, and we're not lawyers and it's all the great Latin phrases and stuff involved in it. So, but principally it's it, what it holds to. And if they undo that, which is what the draft opinion says in a very unhinged fashion, it's about a hundred pages if you choose to read it, uh, that will be published and that will basically undo the ruling at the federal level. And then all these state laws that are like biting at the bit, chomping at the bit, Will be enacted and hopefully via the Senate they may be able to stop all that domino effect happening. And as you said the three newly appointed Republican justices all promised at their confirmation hearing not to overturn Roe versus yeah. Wow yeah. <laughs> the plot <laughs> thickens. Yeah. Well, we go on finally to our favorite lady, the lady of the moment, Marjorie Taylor Greene, or better known as the malevolent mistress of malarkey. She's melting down, Dave. The walls are closing in on her, but she's definitely melting but down. But she's been allowed to stand. Brad Raffensperger agreed with the judge and said, yes, she can stand. That was always going to happen. But she's bound to be facing uh, a, wel a welter of, of um, criticism from her own people. And it gives wonderful ammunition to the Democrats to attack her as the, at the, you know, the next um, election. But we've got um, a, a short audio of her. Carl Rove can go kiss my ass because I could care less what he has to say about any of us. Marjorie Taylor Greene is angry because her horrible reputation is getting even worse. Your personal opinion and your wish was that Congress not certify Joe Biden as the winner of the 2020 election. Uh, no, that's not accurate. Not accurate. Hmm. You can't allow it to just transfer power peacefully like Joe Biden wants and allow him to become our president. Maybe someone forgot to tell her she was under oath today. Um, did you ever advocate for martial law prior to the inauguration of Mr. Biden with any member of the White House staff that was part of the Trump administration? I don't recall. The text was sent from Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. You never advocated martial law, that President Trump should use martial law to stop, you know, the transition of power. You never advocated for that, did you? Well, hello, deer in the headlights. 
I don't recall ever advocating for martial law. From Marjorie Taylor Greene to Mark Meadows. In our private chat with only members, several are saying the only way to save a republic is for Trump to call for martial law. I don't know on those things. I just wanted you to tell him they stole this election. We all know they will destroy our country next. I do not recall that, no. I don't recall. I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't recall the exact days. I don't think so. I don't recall that at all. I don't know. I don't recall. That was the video, but I don't recall. Uh, I think she's a firecracker. The generations of black and Hispanic men, do you want to know what holds them down? Gangs. I think that she stands up for what she believes in. Marjorie Taylor Greene decided to speak at an event that was organized and founded by white nationalist Nick Fuentes. She believes in conspiracy theories, that there are pedophiles running Washington. There's a once in a lifetime opportunity to take this global cable of Satan worshiping pedophiles out. We have an Islamic invasion into our government offices they want to put their hand on the Koran and be sworn in? No. She suggested the Parkland and Sandy Hook school shootings were false flag operations and that the attacks of 9-11 were staged. I just want to say to Nancy Pelosi, she's a hypocrite, she's an anti-American, and we're going to kick that bitch out of Congress. She's also endorsed executing Democratic lawmakers on Facebook in 2018 and 2019. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar, I don't know them, but I'm reminded of that old line from the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid movie where, where one character says, morons, I've got morons on my team. Marjorie Taylor Greene, a moron. And we haven't even mentioned her post on Facebook about Jewish space lasers possibly starting the California wildfires. More recently, Greene referred to the German Nazi police, the Gestapo, as the gazpacho, like the soup. Showing you are an idiot on social media is one thing. However, committing perjury is something else. And most legal experts believe that Green's I don't recall testimony about her interest in martial law and keeping Joe Biden from being sworn in probably protected Green from facing a charge of lying under oath. However, Green's political problems from all of this are only deepening because voters in Georgia are challenging her candidacy in 2022 under a section of the 14th Amendment that blocks candidates who have engaged in an insurrection against the United States. And the fact is, Green has a long history of promoting political violence, and she has a clear record on Twitter, video, and public documents for calling her supporters to come to Washington on January the 6th, 2021, and engage in what Green described as our 1776 moment. That was widely understood as a call to armed resistance to the peaceful transfer of power, a transfer that Green said we could not allow to happen. Green may have avoided perjury, but her credibility, which was in tatters to begin with, is now a national joke. And even if she is not kicked off the ballot in Georgia, she will face a competitive reelection campaign. It's already causing her to melt down. So grab the popcorn. This one is going to be fun. Get the popcorn, Desmond. <laughs> you know, you, there is so much malarkey. There's just so much. Um, it's, are you just... You, you, What's the old you, expression? You, when you're in a hole, stop digging. Digging? <laughs> My girl has got a drill, an excavator. She's got a team of people just beavering down. <laughs> the thing is, look, that was rather lengthy, but we could have gone on and on and on and on. There is just so much of it. And I just love her, 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 her blackwalling, you know, don't remember. Did I? No, don't remember. No record. Don't remember, no record, don't remember, don't re We can all do that. And of course it's, you know, when you've written something down, you're still saying you don't remember. Well, you know, you're not fit to be as in Congress. If that's, you know, that's the way you behave. You're just, you know, not a fit person. Anyway, what is happening on the British front, Dave? Well, 
It was an interesting um, smattering. But the thing, I mean, turnout was not the greatest in the world, was it? But you've got the situation in Northern Ireland now where Sinn Féin have won the majority of the seats. So that will be very interesting how that pans out there with the power sharing agreement and the Northern Irish agreement. And, oh, yeah. Northern, Northern Ireland's executive hasn't functioned well in many years. Let's put it that way. And let's see what will continue to happen. But... It, for the poor voters, they just need to get their act together and do something. And I think this is why Sinn Féin also managed to score some more seats is the DUP were only focused on the, the border arrangement. You know, that was the only thing, not the cost of living crisis and everything else. And um, cut back to England. Oh, dear. But one interesting one is there's a Tory mayor been elected in Croydon um, with a Labour council. Oh, my God. Yes, so for once, the system is going to really be quite tested there because from the way I understand it works, the the council, their only real veto power over the mayor is the budget. And Croydon has been in significant, it's bankrupted basically, or was bankrupted. <laughs> so finances is kind of its weakest point. So mm-hmm. I, I just wonder, the mayor proposes X budget you know, as a conservative, the Labour Party, why budget? There's more of them that can vote. No, they are the majority. Like they just they, they become bankrupt again. I don't know. It's just going to be an interesting mix because it was only about five hundred odd votes in it, and then they've Labour have managed to take, believe it or not, there's Barnet, Wandsworth, and Westminster. You know, Boris's home turf, Ten Downing Street is now a Labour borough. <laughs> <laughs> who would have Adam and Eve did so yeah it's, it's very it's, it's quite interesting and then the Lib Dems who I've forgotten was even the leader of the party Ed Dave, he's lost uh, some weight by the way he looks very trim now but um, yeah they managed to pick up uh, an extra 191 seats but I couldn't tell you what they stand for Re- reason and ration and focused ideas <laughs> And then the Green Party managed to pick up a few. So, yeah, and then if they extrapolated this out, OK, it's not a comfortable win for Labour, but they could certainly do it with some uh, Lib Dem and Green Party and SNP support. They wouldn't, yeah, they wouldn't necessarily win an outright majority if it was a general election. But it was just very interesting, huh? very interesting. Yeah, and a lot of the Tories, I don't still know, they don't know what to do. Do they throw out Boris, but then who do they replace him with? Definitely, Who's the replacement? Definitely. Liz Truss? Uh, I don't think she's ready. <laughs> I don't think she'll ever be ready. Um, Rishi Sunak, plucked, plucked from obscurity, made Chancellor, crowned king, and then he went to a party and looked at a bit of cake and got fined and got tarred with the same brush. And he keeps getting the, the, the attack line I hear about him is he's not very political. <laughs> Yeah, Michael Gove, I don't know, is pushed to the back of the broom cupboard. And then I think Jeremy Hunt would be quite... He's like a John Major type figure is Jeremy Hunt, isn't he? Yes. The reasoned, rationed man. He looks the current alternative at the moment, if there is to be one. Um, But but he has as many friends as indeed as, as he has enemies, so... Again, but did you said, see this week as well that the a Tory, or oh, not Lord, Lady, is it Lady Mona? She was a, a, min, a minister at some point. She got raided. She's got raided by the serious fraud squad, Des. Hang on, I'll find oh. it out. Mona. Did you not see it? No, no. Nothing, nothing currently comes as a major surprise that's we... it mona michelle mona Mo- moans michelle moans she um basically the national crime agency raided her house for potential fraud of up to 200 million with uh, over government contracts to do with ppe during the pandemic you couldn't make this up and then also you've got Keir Starmer who's now being reinvestigated by the police I mean it took them a few weeks between the Tory uh, local MP writing to the police and Nadine Doris and various others keep trying to make an equivalence 
I don't think there is the equivalence to be made, but either which way. And they're all tying themselves in knots now saying that, oh, Keir said he'd resign. Um, uh, you know, the prime minister should resign. And well, if Keir gets found by the police, he should resign. But this could be a blinder because no one's played it out fully. Yeah, OK. So he gets found out by the police to have broken the rules. Guess what? He should resign immediately. Then they are going to have another Labour Party election. And guess who will win? <laughs> again it's a bit like the david davis stupidity you know like when remember when he stood against was it 42 days detention or id card something to do with civil liberties and he, he you know he'd say he ended up holding an, an extra by-election and he just won again <laughs> so, it, it happened to corbyn happened. didn't it when they tried to throw corbyn yeah, out of the, only, the party yeah yeah um you know, this situation is reminds me. Well, I mean, he's got a loyal supporter there in Diane Abbott. She's calling for his um, resignation if he's similarly charged. But um, what did they say? In, in the same situation in America, the wonderful thing about British politics and an essential difference between the systems in America and Britain is that the voters who and I'm sure there are quite a few voters who said that because as you said originally the out uh, the out um, you know the turnout was very was very poor um is that you know people are looking at them and thinking of plague on both your houses you know you're just as bad as each other and as a consequence there are lots of people who you know chose not to vote um but I did, I did read or l listen to some comment made by a Jewish man from Barnet who was basically saying that he chose to vote for the Labour Party despite them being still, as far as he was concerned, mired in this um, anti-Semitism. And he did so because the... Um, local Tory party had um, decided to turn over the management of uh, or the administration of Barnet to, um, you know, to, to private ten uh, tender and uh, offered it to a company to run. And they were, apparently it's not being run very well. It's inefficient and it's, it's ineffective. And um, they're, uh, desperately unhappy about that and on this occasion they voted Labour but in the election they would not vote Labour they would be voting for the restoration of the Conservative Party but they wanted them to know that we're not happy with you putting you know public money into the hands of businesses so people have operating under all sorts of agendas it's very difficult to know but at least in Britain, the voter has that option. They don't like what the Tories or the Labour Party are doing. They can vote Liberal Democrats or the Greens or whoever. In America, you only have the two choices, which is awful, which is no choice at all. You either abstain or you vote for someone, your, your party, you know. But anyway, as they say, democracy may be in peril, but hypocrisy... <laughs> It's definitely not in peril. We've got a hypocrisy happening across the Atlantic, both from all sides. Yes. So what else is new, Dave? In British That's politics? it. That's all I've got. Oh, okay. You're That's all I've got. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awful lot. So we wait with bated breath to see what the outcome of the police investigation with Starmer. We're still uh, waiting uh, for the uh, <clears throat> We are, we are. There's one. There's one more American bit that uh, we can throw in. That um, basically, uh, in New York, uh, a judge has ruled that Trump is in contempt of court for not supplying documents that were subpoenaed, and he's being fined ten thousand dollars a day. And he's tried to appeal it, and so on, and everything. And basically, the part of the appeal was, you can't do this to him. You can't do this to him. the judge. Said no. It stands, I think, now a hundred thousand dollars. Ten thousand a day. <laughs> yeah. Not enough. Twenty. 
30. <laughs> no, but also the um, grand jury has now been impaneled in um, Georgia. Like it's all coming to a head and we know where the January 6th committee is heading as well. So let's see, uh, unless the Justice Department turn around and say, oh no, we can't investigate election year, which I don't think they can without fear or favor. Go for it, guys. What are you waiting for? You, you do realise the next few weeks, um, particularly from, I believe it's the 4th of June, is going to be an exciting time for us because there'll be all these public, um, there'll all be all this public inquiry with people being subpoenaed to attend the, um, the um, inquiry, the January 6th inquiry panel. Um, that should be fun. We'll have a lot to say on that because I think it's being televised. The revolution will be televised, Desmond. The revolution will be televised. <laughs> However, Dave, we do come back to this, you know, in conclusion, we do come back to the terrible state that we're, in a sense, all living with. But nobody really wants to, to properly address it because it's, I suppose it's too frightening, really. Um, are we on the eve of destruction, do you think? Do you think those nuclear bombs will come down? Uh, there's no point worrying about it. Just get on with your business. What's the point in looking up? <laughs> as the as the Netflix TV series says, don't look up. Look up, yeah. Don't look up. Well, that's our finale for today, isn't it? The it eve is. of destruction. Well, are we on the eve of destruction? Well, hopefully I'll see you next week, Des. Hopefully. All I will say, I just wanted to say um, this little bit about just a, pre, pre, a prelim for the song is I'm unsure whether there ever was a time when this song that we're about to play wasn't relevant. And once again, I think we really are on the eve of destruction. So I have an easy night's sleeps. <laughs> Catch you next week, Des. Take care. The Eastern world, it is exploding. Violence flaring. Bullets loading, you're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating, but you tell me.
hate there is in Red China, then take a look around to Selma, Alabama. You may leave here for four days in space, but when you return, it's the same old place. The pounding of the drums, the pride and disgrace. You can bury your dead, but don't leave a trace. Hate your next dawn.